Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. You know, you can change a lot with just 46 characters. For example, you can change where you live. Or you can change your relationship status. Fellas, we do not recommend proposing via text message. You could also change your career, change your vehicle, or you could change just about anything. But maybe this week, you could use 46 characters to change someone's life. Think about it. Pray about it and use your 46 characters for a change. I hope you'll take that as a, uh, an encouragement that maybe this week you'd have an opportunity to invite someone to church any Sunday. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we have a special uh, emphasis, and, and you received a, um, hopefully with your communication card this, today, you received a, a, it's called an engager, a, a way to invite folks. In two Sundays, September the 10th, we're going to, uh, it's called Back to Church Sunday. There's a lot of people that maybe uh, kind of got out of the church habit during the summer, or maybe they've got out of the church habit over several years, or maybe they never really got in the church habit. And so we want to just give a special emphasis to invite them to come back. So we're going to set aside a day and talk about that, and we're going to, the, the theme for that day is a place to belong, and that's what we think Calvary is for them. And so I hope that you will take that opportunity, invite somebody to come with you any Sunday, Make that 46-character invite, but especially in a couple weeks, just be thinking, invite a friend, somebody that, uh, a coworker, someone that you've uh, talked to before, or maybe you meet them at the grocery store, but invite them to come with you uh, as we, uh, we gather again for church next Sunday and, and the weeks to come. With that idea in mind, I want you to think about that phrase, you're invited, okay? So think about the, the opportunities, and, and I want you to consider how many times have you been invited to something? You received an invitation for something in the last year, last month, last week, I'd almost guarantee you somebody has an invitation sitting on your desk or hanging on your refrigerator right now for something that's coming up, all right? Think about it. How many, how many wedding invitations, how many graduation parties, uh, how many uh, back-to-school events, how many times have you been invited to something, recent birthday parties, uh, uh, bar mitzvah, I don't know, maybe, maybe not around here, but something, something that happens, a housewarming party, something that someone... Maybe it's just a friend says, hey, let's go grab a dinner, go grab a movie together. Or, or, or maybe you've been invited to a friend's uh, kid's soccer game or to a, a, a dance recital. I mean, we're talking Christmas events, New Year's parties, uh, Super Bowl parties, whatever it is. My guess is you've been invited to hundreds of things over the last Oh, several days, especially the last year. Hundred events you've been invited to. They, they might have been, you know, real significant life events, or they could be as simple as, hey, let's go to DQ and get a dilly bar, right? It's an invitation. The point of an invitation means that someone thinks that you are significant enough to them that they want to include you. They want to enjoy something with you. They want to experience something with you. They give you an invitation. An invitation, literally, by, by just the, the, the sheer idea of what it is, it, it places an instant value on your presence. 
it immediately raises the, the fact of what your esteem is into the eyes of the person that's asked you because they, they want you there in, in that place with them. And whether you go, whether you really wanted to go or not, the, the point is this, there is something kind of uplifting about the fact that you've been invited. Now, let's take that another step, even based on what we saw earlier. Have you ever thought about an invitation possibly being life-changing? Let's just be honest for a moment. I would say most, probably in the high 80, 90% of those sitting in this room today are here because of an invitation. Now, some of you may be a, have been a recent invitation, weeks, years, you know, a few months. Some of you, that was a long time ago when that first invitation came. But somehow, someone thought enough about you. They wanted you to experience something with them, and they invited you to come. And it, to some degree, it stuck. You're here. And some of you, you stayed here. Do you, do you recognize the fact that God has historically used the art of an invitation to be the start of something that ultimately can change someone's life? When we go through the scriptures, you're going to see that pattern, and we're going to talk about one today. One of my favorite examples of this was a very simple invitation, actually just three words that Jesus gives, and that's going to be the focus we talk about today. He simply said this, come and see. And in those three words, he gave an invitation that would change those lives, and we're going to see that would change history. And it started with a simple invitation. All right, you got your Bibles? We're going to go to John chapter number 1 today. New Testament, fourth gospel, John chapter 1, electronic devices, easy to find. We're going to be looking at this initial invitation that Jesus gives, and he, in three simple words, he gives an altering invitation, something that will change the course of lives and of history. Let me just walk through this passage with you. We're going to start in verse number 35. And, and, and I'll begin this way. Here's how it starts. The next day, John, now just make sure, this is John the Baptist, okay? This is not John the writer here. This is another, the writer of, of John was one of the apostles. He'll show up later in the story. This one speaking, this was John the Baptist. And it says that John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now, if we stop right there, if we back up the story, one day before, verse number 29 is the day previous, and on that day, John also spoke of Jesus, gave him a very similar introduction, but he added a little phrase. He said, look, the Lamb of God, and then he said, who takes away the sins of the world. He, he describes Jesus as the Lamb, but in, this, in his coming, this is one who's going to take away the sins of all of those, the, the sins that all of us are, are, are plagued by. That was what Jesus came to do. So he says this again, and he adds this, and, and it has caught the attention of a couple of, of John's disciples. Here's how it continues. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, the first guy we know, we'll find out later in the story, one of the two guys' name was Andrew. The other, we don't get the name here, but most people would agree based on some things that happened that this was probably John himself, the writer of the gospel. So it's probably Andrew and John, or the two guys, very likely they're following Jesus, and they become two of the original 12 apostles. And we know what happens with the 12 apostles these three years and then the years following Jesus. So this is the start of something significant, and it comes, these, these two guys, they follow Jesus. And in verse 38, I want you to see what happens. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? 
Now, I can say that in a lot of ways. English, in our English version, that almost can come across rude, can it? What do you want? I mean, depending on how you inflect it, right? What are you looking at? Have you ever had anybody look at you like that? You're, you're just, I didn't know I was looking, right? What, what, you got a problem with me? I mean, that's, it can come across that way. However, as you look at what he says, initially, what he's really saying is, what are you looking for? In, in some versions, it says, what are you seeking? He wasn't looking at them saying, hey, get away from me. You're bugging me. He's saying, what are you, what are you guys looking for? What is it? And, and maybe he was saying, are you looking for your sins to be taken away? I mean, they, I've been introduced that way. Are you looking for some answers? What are you looking for? What is it that you've come here? Why are you following me? What is it that, that, that you think that, that I can give to you? And they answer his question with a question. Look what he says. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, they're not asking for his address. They had seen where he lived. He was from their area. He wasn't asking for their address. They were asking for an invitation. They wanted to hang out with him. There was something about him that they, they were curious about, and they knew it. They wanted, but it would be rude just to say, to, to just follow along. They needed an invitation, and they asked him. That's what they're asking for. Can we, they, you see, basically they're saying, we're really not sure what we're looking for, but we think you may have it. You, in fact, you may be it. We don't know exactly, but we, we would like to hang out with you and see if this is where we would, would find it. And the, his response is where we're going to talk about today. And it's, it's just amazing, probably above all their expectations. Verse 39, Jesus replied, come and you will see. Several of the versions just simplify it and it literally says, come and see. Just, just come. You, you got some questions? You got some doubts? Maybe you're a little confused about this whole Lamb of God thing, taking away that you, you don't know exactly what all this is saying. You, you're not sure. Here, I'll give you, a, give you a great solution. Just come and check it out for yourself. Come and see. He says, just come and ask. Come and be a part. Come and experience. Kick the tires a little bit. Come and see is what Jesus tells them. That is the invitation that Jesus gives to these gentlemen, and they did. And for the next several hours, they spent time with Jesus, and I promise you what we're going to see, what happens is it changed their life. Look at how it started, verse 39. So they went, they saw where he was staying, they spent that day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. This event is forever going to change their life, and it started with a simple invitation. Come and see. Come and check it out. As we walk through this passage, let me just throw out a couple of observations that I made. Some obvious things that I see in here, and just as we're walking through it. Number one is what we just said. Jesus extends an incredible invitation. He, he says, come and see. And when you think about that, that's the Son of God. That's God come in this flesh, and he's inviting them to come and just hang out with him, be a part of who he was and what he was doing. Several years ago, I read a quote, and I want you to read it. You'll see it on the screen. A famous early 20th century pastor named Clarence McCartney said this. He starts with this question, what is God's favorite word? What is the word that echoes with sweet music in every part of the Bible? What was the word that God spoke to man before he destroyed the earth with a flood? What is the word that prophets and apostles like to pronounce? What is the word that brought Peter to Jesus? What is the word that was so often upon the lips of Christ? What is the word that he spoke to little children and to weary and the heavy laden? What is the word which, when obeyed, awakens joy among the angels of heaven? What is the word which, when disobeyed, brings sorrow to the heart of Christ? What is the word that brings the Bible to a close and strikes its final chord of music? God's favorite word is, 
come. By his description, the favorite word is come. Now, I, I, I promise you that, that that, as we talk about that favorite word for a little bit, there would be theological discussion. I mean, there's a lot of words in the Bible you could say could be God's favorite. But there is a lot of merit to what Mr. McCartney said. By one account of a fairly reliable researcher, researcher, by the way of just using the word come as an invitation, there are over 600 come invitations in the scriptures. 600 times there's, there's an invite with that simple phrase or that simple word to come. We find it in the first time it's used. I mean, um, McCartney said it in his, in his quote, before the, the earth was destroyed with the flood, look what, what God said in Genesis 7-1. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household. That first time it's used kind of embraces the way it's going to be used throughout the Scripture as an invitation. It embraces the way that God sees a, a people in need of rescue, People that are dying, there's going to be judgment coming. And so as a way of rescue, he offers an invitation. There's an ark, there's protection, there's, there's salvation, but you, but you can just come. It's an invitation to come. And that begins to set the pattern for how it's going to be used throughout the rest of the Scripture. As you go to the last book of the Bible, the last chapter, one of the last verses, Revelation chapter 22, look what it says. The Spirit and the bride say what? Come. And let the one who hears say what? Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So in Genesis, the initial invitation is come. And at the very end of the book, one of the last things God says to us is, is come. Here's this amazing invitation, this thing that God says, I, I invite you to come. I want you to be a part of what's going on. And this, this is God's way. I have provided a way. And the answer is come. As you walk through the Old Testament, you'll see it many times. Let me throw out a couple. There's, a, there's times when it's used just a, as a call to worship. Psalms, chapter number 95, this starts this way. Come and let us sing for joy to the Lord. Come, let us bow down in worship. You move over to the prophets. In Isaiah, in chapter number 55, Isaiah says this. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. There's that invitation by God. You need something. You, you don't know what you're looking for, perhaps, but come and you'll find it. There's something God has for us. As you move into the New Testament, that becomes one of Jesus' favorite words to use. He uses it generously throughout his ministry. Let me give you a couple examples. John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. All those who the Father gives me will come to me and, and listen to this promise. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Wow, what, a, what an amazing thing. Come, and I promise you, you'll find that I want you there. He goes on to say, he pulls out of Isaiah, John 7, 37, that anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. He says to his disciples in one of their initial starts of what they're going to do, Matthew 4, 19, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, of course, one of the most famous that you see on different uh, plaques and, and engravings, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What an amazing invitation. Because there's not a one of us in this room that at some point we have not been weary and burdened. At some point we have said we need rest. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. We know that there's a burden that we carry. And Jesus said, hey, I got an answer. Come. 
Come to me and you'll find, uh, you'll find an answer for that. You'll find the rest that you are looking for. Jesus extends an incredible invitation. Come. Come and see. That's what Jesus says. That's his basic invitation. And, and so I, I'm going to have you think as we go through this, as we're talking about this, have you accepted that initial invitation? There's a, there's a reason why you're here today, and maybe it's to hear this invitation. You were invited by someone else, perhaps, but God wants you to hear that he's also inviting you to come and find the rest that, that Jesus offers. All right, so as we keep, we're going to keep walking through this story. You know, we go back to, to John chapter 1, and we have these two disciples who we know accept the invitation, and, and, and we think they're Andrew, and we know one's Andrew, we think the other is John. They spend the afternoon with Jesus, their lives change, things go, but, but it's the initial response to that first conversation. It's what Andrew does with that that I want to focus on for the rest of what we're going to talk about today. If you go to verse number 40, here's what happens. Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, who was one of the two who heard what John had said, so we know one of them was Andrew, and he was also who had followed Jesus. Now notice, notice what he does. Now the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now we know by timing that this happened before that day was even over. Before he pillowed his head that night, after that conversation with Jesus, and we know there's a four in the afternoon involved there. So what, somewhere before he went to bed that night, he went to his brother and he said, he said Simon, you got to come meet this guy. He went and found Simon, and he, and he brought him to Jesus. Before the day was over, there was something about this that brought him to bring his brother to Jesus. So here's a second observation that I, as we're walking through this. And, and what we're going to find is they, and that's everyone in this story, Jesus and all the guys, everyone found what they were looking for. There, there's all, there's this, this idea, and the reason I want you to notice it is in these next three or four verses, you're going to see some form of the word find or found, something about finding. In, in three or four verses, you're going to find that word used five different times. There's something about this, this idea of found. And, and you know what it means. Okay, I don't have to define it. It's just something found means you were looking for it and you, you found it. Some of you experienced that this morning, right? Car keys. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? We know somebody in here couldn't find your car keys today. And you looked, and you looked, and you looked, and they were right where you left them, but it just drove you nuts because you couldn't find them, right? And the whole house, or your cell phone. Last night, my wife was talking on my cell phone to my son, and all of a sudden, I, and, and I'm, I can't find my cell phone. So I go up and use her phone to call my phone, and she goes, <laughs> And I go, oh, there's my phone. And she was <laughs> sitting at the chair next to me holding my phone. Okay, so we all do it. Okay, let's just be honest. It happens, all right? <laughs> so you, you understand. <laughs> that is a true story, by the way, okay? Um, so you know what the word found means. You, you're looking for something, and you, you find it. You go on a search. Or maybe it's an answer. You know, you've been thinking and thinking. It could be in school. It's a math answer, and you're working. Oh, they, and you, you find the answer, or you find the solution that you're looking for. That's what the word means. It's very simple. But notice when Andrew speaks to Simon, notice how he, how he phrases this. He says, we have what? We have found the Messiah. 
Now, in case you're unfamiliar with this, let me just let you know what the, the Jews at that time had been in, they had been anticipating the coming of the Messiah. The prophets had been telling them for centuries that there is one coming, and they, they ultimately would refer to him as the anointed one, the Messiah. They knew he was coming. There was going to be a deliverer. There was going to be salvation for them, and, and, and it especially was during hard times when they were in deep in captivity, a time right where these guys are at. The Romans were in charge. I mean, they, they were anticipating, they were hoping, they were looking for the Messiah. Messiah to come. So what does Andrew say? We have been looking for who we, what we have been looking for is here. We have found the one that we have been looking for. But notice what happens before that statement. The word found is used before Andrew says that. Look back in the verse. It says, Andrew went to find his brother. Now, the reason, I don't want you to miss this correlation. There, there becomes this pattern that becomes very natural within the, the idea of the Christian walk that, that Andrew was searching for the Messiah. And when he knew he had found him, he had found who he was looking for, what the first reaction, and the Bible says that the first thing he did is he goes and finds someone else who needs to know about the Messiah and tells them. He, he has found what he was looking for, and now he finds someone else that he loves, his brother, because he knows he needs to find the Messiah as well. And, and this becomes this, this pattern that we see within the Scriptures. Peter found who he was looking for twice. He found the Messiah, and then he found his brother because his brother needed to find the Messiah as well. And, and later in this passage, it happens again. There's a guy named Philip who meets Jesus. And notice what happens with Philip. Verse number 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Very similar pattern. Philip had found the Messiah. He goes to his friend Nathanael and he says, Hey, Nate, listen, I have found what we're looking for and I'm looking for you because you need to find the Messiah. You see how this pattern begins to, to circulate? That they found who they're looking for in the Messiah, but then they realize there's people, others that I love and I know that need to find the same Messiah. Now, if we back up and find out how Philip came into this relationship with Jesus, it's a very interesting part of the story. We go back to verse number 43. Philip hadn't been following Jesus like Andrew and John. He wasn't one that had heard it and we followed. This is how it happens. Verse 43, the next day, the day after Andrew and John and Simon all came to the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and notice finding, there's our word again, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Do you catch that? Jesus was actually searching for Philip. He was looking for Philip and he found him. It's such an incredible picture, but I want you to make sure you understand that that is the primary characteristic of what Jesus does. In fact, he will later tell his disciples, Luke chapter 19, he says this, I have come, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Part of what Jesus says, my whole reason for existence is to go looking for the lost and to find them. But I want you to understand that that is that's really what salvation is all about. If you've been in church a while, you may have heard this phrase, because church people use it sometimes. They refer to those who are lost, and they call them seekers. 
Someone who, because they come to church and they're, they're looking. And, and it, it, it's, a, it's an incredible term because they know there's something missing. They're, they're kind of like Andrew. They're, they're looking for something or someone, and they don't even know exactly what it is. So they're seeking, and they come to church, and ultimately they find Jesus. And it's incredible, and their lives change, and, and all that. But, but I want you to make sure you understand. The truth is, though they may not realize it, that whole journey of what they thought was looking for Jesus, Jesus had been searching for them all along. The truth of the scriptures tell us that we don't even have the ability to go looking for Jesus. We don't have that within us. So unless Jesus comes looking for us, we'll never find him. So it's an amazing thing. If you're a follower of Christ, some point in your life, and you can, you can point back to the journey you, were, you went through and, and how you were missing something, and maybe it came through a tragedy, maybe it came through an addiction, maybe it came through just something missing, and you came and you found Jesus. Can I tell you, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. But from our perspective, it looks like we found Jesus, right? This, what he does with Philip just shows us that God, Jesus, is seeking to save that which was lost. And that's what he does. He does with Philip. And then the backstory to this whole passage is even though those guys found Jesus, it was because Jesus had already been looking for them. And Jesus opens a door and, and opens this opportunity. Verse number 42, it, it made an immediate difference. If we go back to what happens with Simon, Andrew's brother, look what happens. He brought him to Jesus. Si Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will now be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Here's the original rock right here, okay? We got Dwayne Johnson. This guy beat Dwayne all, all to pieces, right? This is the rock. That's what Peter means. Jesus is saying there's, gonna be, there's something different, and we know what's going to happen when, when Peter's life is transformed and how he leads the early church in the, the first sermon. Jesus changes him, and this meeting never, will never be the same in Peter's life. And how did it all start? Hey, Andrew, John, come and see. You got some questions? Come on. I'd love to answer them. And then they get the invitation, and they find who they've been looking for, and they go and they find someone, and they bring them to Jesus. And their lives begin to change. I don't know where you're at today, but do you understand that you're not here by accident? Now, whether you came by a, an invitation, or maybe you've been here several times, and it started the invitation, or maybe you, maybe you saw a website, I don't know, but there, there's a reason why you're here today. This is not an accident. That the, the God of this world has brought you here to hear the message that he has an invitation for you. I, I love that about how God works. That there are no coincidences in this audience. God wants you to hear the message that there is an invitation for you. And he wants you to, to understand what that could do and the difference that could make in your life. All right, so, so far Jesus has extended an incredible invitation. These other guys have been looking for all their years and hear, heard about for years about the, they found who they were looking for. They went and found others who they were looking for. One final observation, but let's pick it up in verse 45. That when Philip found Nathanael and he told him, we have found the one, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, so Philip, as we said, he meets Jesus. Jesus went looking for him. He, he meets him. His life begins to change. He goes to find his friend. And when he talks to his friend, he begins to say, hey, this Jesus is awesome. And and Philip poses a few questions, has a couple problems. You have some friends like that that you've, you've tried, you, you, maybe you've said, hey, Jesus is the way, and, and they, they, they throw up some, 
some skepticism. They throw up a little issue here and there. Really, can that be true? And, and, that, and, and in fact, here's how Nate goes. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, and I don't know if, if Nate had a problem with politically or, you know, with the people of Nazareth. I don't know if that's what he means. Or maybe he and Philip had done studies before about the coming Messiah, and there's no mention of Nazareth and him coming. And so he was saying, really? How, how can, are you serious? This, is, this can't, Philip, there's, are you sure that you're real? And this is what's classic. I want you to see how Philip responds. Philip said in verse, end of verse 46, come and see. Boy, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Jesus offered an incredible invitation to those two guys that were looking for something, and they didn't even know what they were looking for. Just come and see. Figure it out. Kick the tires. Try it yourself. Nathaniel talks to his friend, and his friend has, throws out some skepticism. I'm sure this is really true. And so here, what does Philip do? He just uses the same words that Jesus does, and he says, listen, listen, Nate, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I probably couldn't answer them if you gave them. I don't know everything, but here's one thing I could tell you. Just come and see for yourself. Come and see. Come and experience. Come and, and, I, and I, I promise you, you'll see what I saw, that Jesus is who we're looking for. Just come and see, which leads me to that third thought. Jesus' followers now extend an incredible invitation. They take Jesus' words, and now they apply it to themselves in their relationships with other people, and they just say, hey, this is true. I know it because it's changed my life. Now you come and see. Just experience it for yourself and see what God will do. Do you see the biblical pattern here that God is working? God makes this incredible invitation. Come and see. you got questions. you got doubts. Come on. Now, Jesus isn't afraid of our questions, not afraid of our, our skepticism. He's not, that doesn't bother him. Come and see. You experience it for yourself. And when they do, they find that he's who they've been looking for, he answers their questions, and then he sends them back out, and some of the people are a little skeptical, and so they say, we'll just try Jesus' method. Just come and see. I, I don't have all the answers, but I do know it's true, and if you'll just come and experience it, you'll find the same thing for yourself. And Nate does. Nathaniel follows, verse 49, Nathaniel declares after his meeting Jesus, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Boy, those are powerful words. Rabbi, he's going to follow him as his teacher. Son of God, that's, that's putting him up in the place where they've been, the one they've been looking for. And ultimately, you're the king of Israel. And I know good Jewish boy is going to say that just off the cuff. This is, he's, Jesus has got his life, and Nathaniel becomes one of those original 12 as well. Here's what we got to understand is Jesus offers an invitation. He, he tells us, I am who you're looking for. And then once we figure that out, he says, now, now, what we do is we just go and we offer the same invitation to others. It's not complicated. It's just come and see. God has changed my life. Come and see what he wants to do in yours. So I want to focus the last part of this talk today on, on that particular, particular issue. I, I know chances are that all of you have experienced what we're, what we're talking about. You, you've, exper you've experienced the thing, and if you're a follower of Christ... You know, there was a time in your life when Jesus found you, and he changed your heart. He changed your life, and you know that. You can point to that time when your life began to, to turn, and you, you know the work that God has done in your life. You've experienced that. And now understand, you have the privilege to share that invitation that you received to come to Jesus. You now have the privilege, you have the opportunity to share that with others. And chances are, this is usually what happens, you were really excited about doing that when you first came to Jesus. You were, you were Andrew and, and Philip. I mean, before the night was over, you had to tell somebody what happened to you. 
I mean, you felt that early on because it changed you, and you knew it. I mean, your, your life has been changing ever since, but that, it was, this is incredible. This is what I've been looking for. It fills the answers, and you wanted to share that, and you, and you probably did. But here's what I know to be the reality. Over time, sadly, we, we tend to lose a little bit of that joy and excitement. We tend, to, we, we tend to kind of forget how excited we were when we first started. And, and we have the same message. We have the same opportunity. We have the same in, invitation, but it's not. And, and that's what I want to challenge us today. And I say us, me included, to reclaim that joy and that opportunity, that privilege, to simply do what Jesus did, and that is to say, come and see. Just, just come. Jesus offers you an invitation, and I want to give you the invitation to come and see it. Come and, and just experience who he is. Experience what he could do in your life. So let's talk about the power of an invitation. We've already said that most of us in this room are here because of an invitation. How powerful is it that you would do what these guys did, and you just invite someone to come and to see Jesus? It worked 2,000 years ago. It still works today. It's still an opportunity that we have as God's people to make what God has done in our life work in someone else's life. We bring them to Jesus and watch Jesus make a a difference. Uh, Maybe it's whoever it is, your sphere of influence is not an accident. It might be a friend. It might be a family member, someone you sit by in school, someone, a coworker, a, a neighbor, there's someone in your sphere, someone that you know that you speak to, and maybe you speak to them often, maybe it's occasional, but there's someone that within, within the realm in which you live that God would give you the same opportunity. You, you could be a, an Andrew and a Philip in someone's life, he, that opportunity to just invite them to, to come and, and to see. Now today, I want to I go back and I, I want to specifically emphasize what I think is the simplest And I didn't say the easiest, but the simplest start to doing that. One of the simplest ways, and there are other things involved, and and there's more to bringing people to Jesus in many cases, but here's a start, and some of you, this could be the simple way. Are you ready? Nine words. Here's nine words I would share, I'd have you to share. Would you like to come to church with me? That, That simple invitation could be the start for you making an eternal difference in someone else's life. Some of you know that because you're living proof of that. That's all it took was someone to invite you, and that could be the start. Again, I'm, giving you a, 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 I'm throwing you one to make it easy in the next two weeks. Take this and share it with someone. We purposely left the, the date off because you can use these from now until forever, but specifically in two weeks, we're going to be inviting people just to come back to church. Invite them. Say, would you come to church with me this week? Maybe that week's not going to work any week, but just use this simple, it's, it's even less than 46 characters. Would you come to church with me? Use this to, to start that process of bringing people. Be my friend. Come and see. Maybe take them to lunch or brunch or breakfast or something, but just say, hey, would you come? And I, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know it, but, but I promise you there is something. There is a place to belong. You can find some of the answers you're looking for. Come, come and see and invite them to come. Some of your first response, and I can already hear it, is, well, they won't come if I ask. Possibly, you're, you're correct. But, but let me share something with you, and, and I hope this encourages you. Recent research has been done within the last few years. Lifeway Research did a, did a survey, and they talked to unchurched people, people who are not currently involved in a church somewhere. 
82% of the people they talked to said, I would come to church if a friend asked me to come. 82%. A similar survey said that 50% of people that, that asked by a trusted friend would come the first time that they ask, and 25 to 30% would come the next two or three times. They, they may have to ask more than once, but they ultimately would, would come. Don't let the devil fool you into thinking that you can't make a difference. Yes, they, they won't come, they won't listen, they would never step inside a church. Maybe not true. Think about the possibility that God may have for you to, and, and again, this is a first step. There is about sharing your story and sharing the gospel, and, but this first step sometimes is the step that will help them to come and to see the truth. And, and I want you to grab how easy, how simple that could really be. Let me leave you with four things that I hope will help you to understand to make this invitation, whether it's to come to church or any time that you talk about bringing someone to Jesus, four things that I want you to keep in mind that will help make this an even more powerful invitation, will really make this uh, something that you'll see, you'll see teeth really begin to emerge as we come through this. First thing is this, as you ask, believe that Jesus can change lives. Believe that what you're doing at that moment, that if you bring them to Jesus, that's what Andrew, he just brought him to Jesus, said, you got to see who I found. He did, that's all it took. Philip, the same way, you got to come see this guy. Believe that Jesus could make a difference, that Jesus could change their lives. We know a couple chapters later in John, we have another story of someone who encounters Jesus, John chapter number four. We don't have a name, we just know her as the woman at the well. That's all we know, that's the only name that's given to her in the scripture. So this woman at the well comes, she meets Jesus, she has her own questions and issues, but meeting Jesus begins to change those to the point where she leaves her water pot at the well, goes back to the town to the people she knew, and I want you to hear how she responds. Verse number 29, look at the first two words. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. What did she say? She says, guys, I don't understand this, but you gotta come meet this guy. You gotta come see why? Because he had changed her life, and he believed he could change theirs. Do you believe, do you understand that God changed your life, or you wouldn't be a follower of Christ? He can do the same with anyone that you know. You say, they, you don't know who they are. You don't know what they've thought. You know what, it doesn't matter, regardless of where they've been, what they've done. They need Jesus, and Jesus can change their life. Do you believe that? Well, if you go out and tell someone with, the, with that in your heart that I believe that Jesus could change you, that begins to, to move in your spirit as well as you do. So go knowing that there's a power there. Secondly, recognize that God wants to use you in this process. As we mentioned, that sphere of influence you have, that's not an accident. There's a reason why you come across the people you come across on a regular or, or occasional basis there's a reason for that. God has you where you are. And the first part of a verse that I want to encourage you, if you memorize verses, to memorize this week, 2 Corinthians 5.20 starts this way. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You are now, if you've experienced the change of life of Jesus, what he's done in you, then now you are an ambassador. You are sent out from him. But notice what he says. You are sent out as though God were making his appeal through you. You're literally going out and you're speaking for God to these people. God wants to use you in that process. It has been said, and I, and I really believe this to be true, we, those who have experienced what God has done in our lives, we are God's plan A to reach the world, and he doesn't have a plan B. 
He could have chose any way, he cho- but he chose, he could have chose angels, he could have put his own billboards up, he chose to use people to bring people to Jesus. You are who God uses to do that. Believe that God can change life. Believe that he wants to use you, that you're where you are for a reason. It's though God were speaking through you because he is. If you're bringing people to Jesus, God is speaking through you, and he wants to use you. There's power. He wants to use you. Here's a third practical step. Identify the people God wants you to invite. Who's your Peter? Who's your Nate? Who are the people in your life that God has, that, that you see coming across? Maybe you, maybe you won't know, you'll, you'll just see them and God will show you who that is. But right now, my guess is there are some people who you know, who, who you believe need Jesus, and they're going to cross your path at some point this week. Make a list of those people who need to come to church. And I'd encourage you, you've got three blanks there on your, maybe start right there. Just write down their first names. You're the only one going to see this. Just write down their first name. I, I need to invite Jim. And, and maybe it's going to be to this service next Sunday or especially in two weeks or just, I'm going to, who, who does God want me to invite? Think through who it is that God brings across your path and, and begin to think now about what that means. But here's the fourth thing. None of this makes any difference unless we care enough to extend the invitation. You can get all this and figure it out. God wants to change your life. All that's great stuff. But until we're moved enough to say, I want my friend to find what I found. I want my loved one to know the Jesus that I know. I don't have all the answers, but I, I know that Jesus could make a difference in their life. Until we care enough to then say, hey, would you come to Jesus? And it could start by, would you come to church with me? To finish out our previous verse, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it started, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to us. And now notice, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He says, we're ambassadors, and we go to you, and we, say, we implore you, we beg you, we plead with you. We, we will do whatever it takes. We will do whatever we, we, will do whatever we can do to, to help you come to Jesus. We'll, make, we'll take away all the distractions we can to just let you come and, and experience Jesus. We'll do whatever we can because I believe it will happen. Just you, you, don't, you don't know what, that's fine. Come and see. Just come and experience Jesus. Experience what his church wants, to, wants you to hear about him. Experience who he is. Just come and see. Because we care, we make the ask. Now, I want to add a bonus to this. You don't have a number for this, and it's a bonus. not because I forgot it. It's because I wanted to give it special emphasis. That the idea here, all those four things are critical, but let me add one other word, and that's the word pray. You see, that same guy who said, I would implore you, come to be reconciled to God, knew that he couldn't do that on his own, and neither can you. Yes, you're, this is something outside of you. You've got a story, but it's tough. We all know that it takes courage. It takes, it, it take, and, and listen to how Paul prayed. This is the great apostle. Look at what he said. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Guys, he says, listen, I, I do this all the time, but pray for me because I, I want with courage to tell others to come to Jesus. That's what you, you pray. So here's what I, take these three people or however many you have on your list, pray for them 
Pray for them specifically. Pray that God moves in their heart. Pray that God moves circumstances to where they're ready to hear. Pray that, he, that you are open to see the opportunities you have to invite them to, to church, to invite them to come to Christ. Pray for yourself to have courage. Pray for yourself to fearlessly just tell them what Jesus did for you and invite them. Pray for all of those things. A, a few, um, I don't know, probably several months, almost a year ago now, we did something similar like we did here, only I actually had people that handed in cards with names on them of people they were praying for to be saved. And I took those names and I put them on a list, and I now have on my desk a list of about 50-some names that people in our church are praying for that they would come to Jesus. That's a great list. And, and the Lord, I, I put it there so that every once in a while I just stop and I pray for them. But here's what's cool. On my list, now there's four or five that I have PTL beside it, which means, praise the Lord, because in the last six to eight months, they've come to Jesus. Oh, wow. Now that starts making what we're doing real, because we're praying for those people by name, and now those names have a big PTL on the top of them because they, they came to Jesus. Folks, that's what God wants to do in your life. He changed you. Now you have an opportunity to extend an invitation to others so he can change them, which brings us back full circle. The invitation is simply come and see. It's nothing difficult, not hard. It's not complicated. Jesus just said, come and see. We can say the same thing to others. Just come and see. Jesus changed me. Come and see what he's doing in my life. Come and see why this means so much. Just, just come and see. As I end with that question today, I want to encourage you to think about what that means. Let me ask you, first of all, have you RSVP'd to this invitation? Has there been a point in your life when you realized that you needed, and you didn't even know who you were looking for, but you knew that there was something that, that God was speaking in your heart. You knew that, the, that whatever the, the future was un, uncertain or the things you needed a life change, and you heard Jesus say, come to me, and you did. And you received the gift of eternal life. You realize Jesus died, that we symbolize today, that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was for your sins. And you invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and he forgave you. Have you accepted that invitation? If not today, I'm going to offer you the same invitation Jesus did. Come. Let Jesus move into your life and begin the change that he did in those, and he's done in many of the lives sitting around you today. Come and see. Let me ask you the second question. If you have done that, if you have followed him, if you're one of his followers, when's the last time you offered that invitation to somebody else? Maybe it was this week. I hope it was. But maybe it's been a while. Or maybe there's some names that come up that you know, and, and, and down deep it's kind of got you nervous. But God wants you to just say, hey, got an invitation. Would you take that opportunity to invite someone to find what you found in Jesus Christ? Let's bow our heads this morning. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to offer an invitation similar to what Jesus did. Come. Come and see. There's still questions you have. That's great. There's still some things you don't quite get it all. That's awesome. Come and see. Come and let Jesus do what he promised to do. To, to fill, to for you to find who you're looking for, you'll find him in Jesus. Would you come today?
If you've never accepted that gift of eternal life, and today you don't have the confident assurance that heaven is your home, that your sins are forgiven, that, that you're a follower of Christ, that you've, you've truly been born again by God's Spirit. If you don't know that truth, then today the invitation is come. In fact, we're going to make that physical in a moment. The music begins. We invite you to come. We'd love to show you from the Scriptures what it means to come to Jesus. But I want to challenge every follower of Christ in this audience today. In fact, let me just ask you, you're a follower of Christ today. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. As we're talking, did God put a name or a face in your mind of someone who you know needs Jesus that you're going to see probably in the next few days? Would you just raise your hand? Let me just see. Some, God put a face in your, in your mind all, all over the place, of course. So can I challenge you? Would you give them an invitation? Would you offer them the same invitation Jesus gave you? Just come. They got a lot of questions, great. Come and see. Would you do that this week? Would you just let God use you to be the bridge to bring them to Jesus? Father, we love you and thank you. Thank you for the powerful invitation to just come. And thank you that when we come, you will not turn us away and you receive us and you change us. Wow, what a promise. And then, Lord, thank you that we have now the privilege, the opportunity to turn around and give that same message of hope to somebody else. So, Lord, if there's one in this audience today who's not yet received Jesus, just impress upon them more than ever before your, your heart cry, come. And may today be the day they come to Jesus and, and receive that gift. And then don't let any of us who are followers leave here without, without a, a confident purpose to invite someone to come to you. And maybe that would start with simply inviting them to church, but to not miss an opportunity to offer that same invitation to someone else. We love you, Father. Challenge us. Give us courage. Lord, please change people's lives. We love you.